0: It was purchased by Christ. He paid a high price, his own blood. He wanted to make us, his church, the bride of Christ. It's an incredible analogy that shows us how much love Christ has for the church. You cannot love Christ and not love his church.
1: Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. The Bible is full of a lot of different kinds of word pictures. There's construction metaphors and sports analogies and plenty of word pictures that have to do with farming and agriculture. I'm thankful that God chose to communicate important ideas to us in ways that we can easily latch onto and identify with. So the question for today is sort of an agricultural one. Where are you planted? Think about that today as we continue in our series, Deeper. Here's
0: Pastor Trent. Everybody grab your Bible, and I want you to open it up to Psalm 92. Look down at verse 12. The righteous flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon, you remember how we saw from Ephesians chapter 3 that we're to be rooted and grounded in love, the root system, and we're to be like that tree that doesn't get blown over by the storms of life? You're to be like this palm tree and like a cedar in Lebanon. Then verse 13, they, these righteous people, they are planted in the house of the Lord. Can you imagine? Planted in in the soil that is the house of the Lord. Do you get it? And so the house of the Lord is the soil that grows this palm tree and grows this cedar in Lebanon. You're to be like that. But you can't grow like a cedar unless you're planted in the house of the Lord. Verse 14, they still bear fruit in old age. Aren't you excited about that? Got a 74-year-old down here on the front row saying, I want to bear some fruit. That's awesome. And verse 15, well, it it says, they, they still bear fruit in old age. They are even full of sap. You're full of sap, Ken. That's, that's what the Bible says about you. Full of sap and green, and <laughs> the reason for all that is to declare the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in him. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, as we dive into this passage, I'm just going to tell you up front, I am absolutely unapologetic about what I'm asking you to do here this morning. All of you, whether you are a first-time visitor to this church or whether you have been here from ground zero, I'm calling all of us to go deeper in the house of the Lord. You need to get planted in the house, okay? So who all's here? Well, there are probably some first-time visitors. I meet people every Sunday. It's their first time here. They're Kind of walking around wondering, am I in the right place? And Is this safe? And what are they going to say to me? And are they going to ask me to do something weird? Well, none of that's going to happen, but I am going to ask you to go deeper. So maybe for you, going deeper as a first-timer here this morning just means you're going to lean in, and you're going to listen, and you're going to respond, maybe even come back next week. But if you're one that's kind of been, you know, you've been a few times, and maybe you're kind of a window shopper, and come on in a little deeper... And um, become more regular in your attendance. Some of you are regular attenders, but you have not yet become a member. Now, if you're a member of this church, the first five minutes of this message has not been very convicting for you. If you're a member, maybe you need to go a little bit deeper by becoming a part of a small group. And if you're a member of a small group, maybe you need to become the apprentice in that small group. If you're the apprentice, maybe it's time for you to say, I'm ready to lead that small group. If you're a small group leader, where's all the small group leaders? Small group leaders lift their hands. These people are carrying a big load. How could they go deeper? By multiplying that small group and creating another small group leader and going from just a first-time visitor, a regular attender, a member, a contributor, a leader, now a planter because we make disciples that make disciples and we plant churches that plant churches. And so there's room for all of us to go deeper into the house of the Lord. So we need to talk about this phrase here. What is this house of the Lord? We have to remember where we're reading in our Bibles. We're reading in a time where there was actually a physical place The temple or the sanctuary where God's people would gather to experience the presence of God. It had a courtyard where it was kind of the the gathering place and there was a lot of activity out there and there were places for ceremonial cleansing out there and it was kind of a preparation time to come a little deeper into this physical temple where the presence of God resided. And so in Psalm 92, when we read about them being planted in the house of the Lord. He's talking about a physical place they would go to. This was the place where you experienced the presence of God. Now, here we are, fast forward. How many of you understand there is no longer a need for a physical temple because God does not dwell in temples made with human hands? And so it's very important as we gather here this morning, we realize this walls, roof... 52277 Hickory Road is not the temple. This is not where God lives. Did you know that? God, this is not God's house in that sense because we understand from the New Testament that you individually, your body is the temple and it is God's spirit that resides in you. So how can we apply this to, being planted in the house of the Lord to where we are today. Well, we do that very simply when we understand what 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 5 says about the individual members of the church. This is what it says. It says you singular are a living stone. It actually says living stones, but he's talking to a group of individuals. So you as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. There it is. What is the modern day house of the Lord? It is the gathered worship experience of individual stones, members of Christ's body who gather together and experience the presence of God in a way that is different than you experienced sitting alone in the chair with your Bible open. Do You understand what we're saying? You're an important part of the house. Every stone is important. There are some stones that are boulders. They're that important. There are some stones that are small as sand, but they all work together to build the house. Look at your neighbor right now and say, I'm a stone. Everybody do that. I am a stone. I am a stone. Now listen, what does that mean when you choose not to come to church? Do you know what that means? Pieces of the house are missing when you're not here. That means that when the house is gathered and you're not here, there may be a hole in the roof. The rest of us might get wet, or maybe there's a foundational piece over here that's so important to the structure that it weakens the wall. Every stone is important in building the house. So let's understand what it means to be a house. How many of you have a house? You have a house? Some of you have an apartment. That's cool. Um, a house is easily understood, first of all, as the place where the father dwells. How many fathers out there? All right? All right. How many of you fathers have had this experience of having small children under the age of five, you've been away at work all day long, and you come home, the garage door goes up, the children hear you coming, and before you can even step in the threshold of the door, there are children that come running from the four corners of the house and wrap themselves around each leg, and you walk through the house with children on your legs. How many of you have had this experience? They're so happy to see their father. They love their father. There is unashamed adoration and clinging to the father. Isn't that a wonderful experience? Well, I don't know about you, but my five-year-old cute children grew up and turned into grumpy teenagers. Anybody else have this experience? Now, when I come home with a house full of teenagers, I have to go on a search and destroy mission looking for a child to express any awareness that the father is in the house. I walk into their room. Hey, dad's home. What's up? That's all I get. That's the same kid that used to be so cute wrapping around my leg. Now listen, when you come to the house of the Lord, you you are to be like the five-year-old that is passionate about welcoming the father into the house. But so many of you act like the grumpy teenager. What's up? can I have some money? (laughs) I need some blessing, you know? And that's that's true. In the house, everybody in the house benefits from the father's provision. I don't know about you. I noticed within the last 24 hours, every child in my house has had their hands on my billfold. (laughs) Dad, I need some money. I need some money. You got some money. I need some money. And That's what the father's to do. He's to provide for the needs of the children. And so we gather in the house of the Lord to experience the father's provision. And in the house of the Lord, we not only experience the father's provision, but we we come into the house of the Lord because it's in the house that we get fed. Now we've been talking about these fathers here. How many of you fathers are grateful there is somebody in the family that knows how to prepare a meal better than you, okay? And there is one thing that will get the family together. You know what it is, right? If there's food at the table, the children will come running, right? And they will eat the food. And so we gather around the table because we all need to eat, we all need to get fed. That's what happens in the house of the Lord. In the house is where we get fed. And the house is where the family shares responsibility. At least they're supposed to share responsibility. We understand that in the house, messes are made. And how many of you feel like everybody does a pretty good job at their responsibility of making the messes? But very few people in the house understand the responsibility of cleaning up the messes. Right? And so we understand that in the house sometimes it gets messy, but everybody is to share the load. Can I get an amen from a mom out there? Is anybody? Did you hear that, teenagers? Your moms out there have been praying that you would understand what it means to live in her house. I'm praying that you would understand what it means to live in the house of the Lord. Because there are some people that come to church, and you gripe about the messiness in the church, but you're not sharing the load of cleaning up the messes in the church. In the house of the Lord, there is shared responsibility. And in the house, that's where the family launches from and returns to. No matter what else is on your agenda, a job, school, relationships, all the things on your priority list, you know at the end of the day You're coming home, and you're going to start your day in that very same house. That's what's happening right now. No matter what else was going on in your week, no matter how important you think it was, how stressful or how how, how tragic it was, we return to the house, and we launch from the house. What's happening right now is not one of the things on your schedule. We're in the house of the Lord. This is where we have returned to and when we dismiss, this will be a place where we launch from knowing that we're coming right back to the house. It's our privilege and responsibility to be planted in the house of the Lord. Are you planted in the house? We understand. That church is not just a place we come to. It is a place where we plant our lives and grow from. What does it mean to be planted? Well, it can mean a lot of different things. It could mean a lot more than being a member, but it certainly does not mean less. You're going to have a hard time convincing anybody that you are planted in the house of the Lord if you have not made yourself available for membership. So again, maybe the next thing on your agenda is to make sure you've taken that step into membership. Now we need to understand this on a spiritual level. If you have had the experience of hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, understanding that what he did on that cross was for your payment of sin, and you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord of your life and had your spirit awakened by the power of God, and you are a Christian, you've embraced Christ by faith, then in that moment, you were planted in the house of the Lord. You became a part of the universal church, we might say the invisible church of Christ. All believers everywhere on the planet are planted in the house, members of the church. But listen, we we understand it is a theological impossibility to be connected to the church, but not connected to Christ. Do you understand that? You cannot be a member of the church if you have not surrendered your life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. You can't be connected to the church and disconnected from Christ. That's a theological impossibility. Everybody agree? Listen, if that is true, this next statement is true as well. It is a theological impossibility for you to be connected to Christ and disconnected from his church. If somehow you think Jesus is cool and we have our own little relationship and I like sitting in the chair and reading my Bible and sometimes going to Starbucks and the Holy Spirit just really comes in that time and it's so special to me. (laughs) But you have no connection to a local body that is the church of Christ, you don't understand church. Let me just explain to you from the New Testament a summary of what we know about church. We'll do it in one statement. The church, the local church, is the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, that was purchased by the blood of Christ, Acts chapter 20, to become the bride of Christ, Ephesians chapter 5. You understand these three things? I didn't even alliterate those. Those were just in the text what does it mean to be the body of Christ? And some of you that would be out there and would kind of challenge the whole idea of biblical membership in a church, I realize that is so old school. Churches are not even talking about membership anymore because they realize that people are just not into membership anymore. Fine, fine, great. Um, how about friendship? Are you into friendship? Everybody want a friend? People that are committed to you and can encourage you and Feel like you're supported by those friends? How about ownership? Anybody excited about ownership? You just don't want to just be a renter? You want to feel like you have some ownership over this thing? And so nobody's into membership. Everybody's into friendship. Everybody's into ownership. Everybody's into partnership. Anybody want a partner to kind of share the load? Okay, that's what we're talking about. To be a member of the body of Christ means that it's not all my responsibility but my responsibility is needed in the body. It's the analogy in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where it says not everybody's a foot, not everybody's an eye, not everybody's an ear. I get to be the mouth. But you're no less important. Maybe you're the hypothalamus in the body of Christ, right? You can live without an ear, kind of hard to live without a hypothalamus, and yet you may never get any attention. You never get noticed until there's something going wrong and then the whole body's hurting. And so we need to understand how important it is to be a member connected to every other member of the body. It was purchased by Christ. He paid a high price, his own blood. That's how valuable we are to Christ. And then this, he wanted to make us, his church, the bride of Christ. It's an incredible analogy that shows us how much love Christ has for the church you cannot love Christ and not love his church and so if you really love Christ you're going to love what Christ loves namely his church a few years ago Joshua Harris wrote a book called stop dating the church It's a great analogy, isn't it? Thinking about the love relationship that Christ has with the church. How many of you guys remember the first time you laid eyes on your future bride? Remember that? You better smile as you lift that hand, guys. Remember that? Remember that? It's like, hey, hey, whoa, hey. I I think I I might wanna make a move here, right? And so what you began to do is something, probably the equivalent of, 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 of flirting, right? I mean, you kind of stood up straight, you know. Maybe you kind of gulped real hard and you approached and you laid down that line, you know, and and, and you tried to get her to notice you. And, and maybe you gulped real hard and maybe you asked a friend to kind of let her know that you... You were somebody she should be interested in, and maybe you formed that first date and you went out and, and you're you're kind of checking each other out and, and you're disclosing just enough information so that it, it, we're not committed to anything here, right? We're, there's no obligation that we're ever going to have another date it, just because I showed up this time doesn't mean I'm going to show up again. We're just kind of interested in, in, in do you remember that whole process? the awkwardness of that, but then at some point you, you realized, hey, this was worth the risk and maybe you entered into a dating relationship. You stopped dating other people, right? And maybe that's what you've done here this morning in a relationship to the church. You, you, it kind of looked attractive from the outside and so you kind of flirted with it a little bit and, and you kind of expressed your interest, but then you entered into this dating relationship, you stopped going to other churches, okay? Because I'm dating this one, right? and uh, maybe you changed your Facebook status, right? We're in a relationship now, right? Now, now there's no commitment here, okay? There's no commit. Don't, don't expect me to show, don't expect me to serve you unconditionally, but I kinda like this, and you're kinda cute, and, and um, uh, we, we, just, we just have few expectations, but not a whole lot, and, but there's no commitment, right? Well, at some point, if you've ever been in this type of relationship, Somebody in that relationship is going to pull out the initials D-T-R. Know what those stand for? Define. Did you hear the, the echo from the youth group over here? Okay. The, what does that mean? Define the relationship. Put a ring on it for crying out loud. Okay. Let me tell them about how much you love me and how much you think I'm awesome and I'm gonna spend the rest of my life. Put a ring on it for crying out loud, okay? There has to be a point at which you declare your intentions, announce to the world, we are married, okay? We are in this for better, for worse, richer, for poorer, sickness in health, forsaking all others as long as we both shall live. Get it? It's a commitment. And that's why we emphasize The relationship that Christ has with his church is exactly what he's done. He's committed his life to it. He laid down his life for it. He loves his bride. He's never giving up on her as ugly as the bride is at times. He has committed to wash her and to clean her and make her more radiantly beautiful than she was when he met her. That's what Christ is doing. And so in response, we as the bride respond to him with a reciprocal commitment. I'm committed to you the way you're committed to me. Now, if you are married and you've exchanged those vows, you've declared your intentions, you put a ring on it, you know, there's one more phase here. It's making babies. All right, now at that point, you start multiplying yourself because healthy things multiply, right? Now, I want to be sensitive to those of you that struggle with infertility and you're married, you'd love to have babies, and for whatever reason, it's not happening. One in six couples are kind of in that. But when the bodies are healthy, it is the natural overflow of the marriage to multiply. And all of a sudden, these new creatures show up that are dependent upon you. And they're little and they're annoying, and they're messy, and they can't take responsibility you have to hold their hand, you have to instruct them, sometimes you have to discipline them. Am I describing a parenting relationship? No, I'm describing what happens in the church, because these disciples make baby disciples. And they turn into adolescent disciples, and you have to hold their hand, you have to instruct them, sometimes you have to discipline them, and it is messy at times. And that is what is keeping some of you from committing to the church, is because you know how messy it is. You showed up here this morning kind of bruised and beaten from whatever other church you came out of. Now listen, I... I have discovered there are some amazing churches in our community with some amazing pastors. As a matter of fact, my my schedule the next week is filled, lunches and coffees with local pastors. And if you're coming to our church because you're mad at the last church you came out of, because the last pastor was lame, don't you come up to me and talk about your lame pastor because you're talking to a lame pastor and that dude is on my team, okay? So don't come here thinking that I'm going to be any better or this church is going to be any better than your last experience. At some point, you're going to be as disappointed in us as you were in your last church. Maybe the best thing for you would be go back to your church and your pastor and rebuild that relationship and give your life serving that pastor and his mission for the church. Maybe that's the next thing you need to do to go deeper in your relationship at church. But if you came here to sit on the sidelines because you got hurt in the last church and you're not willing to go deep and get dirty because that's what happens when you plant something, you get dirty, you plant yourself in the life of the church. Listen, you need to go deeper. You may need to go deeper here. You may need to go deeper there but stop church hopping and plant yourself, root yourself in the house of the Lord. Your relationship with Christ will go no deeper than your relationship with the local church. I'm calling you deeper.
1: Have you ever thought about your relationship to your church in those kinds of terms? Pastor Trent Griffith has been showing us that just like a human relationship grows and develops, your relationship with the church needs to get deeper. It's like you're a tree with a root system that finds its strength and nourishment by intertwining roots with other trees in the forest of your church. If you're looking for a Christ-centered, God-honoring, people-strengthening, Bible-saturated church where you can be planted and grow, why don't you think about visiting Harvest Bible Chapel? We have a campus in Granger, Indiana, and one in St. Joseph, Michigan. And soon, we hope to be launching our Elkhart campus, too. You can get all the details about service times and locations when you visit our website. HarvestGranger.org. Again, that's HarvestGranger.org. Or find us on Facebook by searching for Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. If you've ever thought, "I love to be a part of a strong church," but the problem is that people in the church are such hypocrites. Well, next week, Pastor Trent will respond to that and other excuses for why we might be tempted not to get rooted in the house of the Lord. He'll also describe what someone's life looks like when they're truly growing the way that they should. I hope you'll join us for the conclusion of this message next week. Well, thanks for listening. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's word would resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.